and welcome to the Football Scotland Daily Podcast. I'm John McFarlane and joining me today is a man that has come to be known as our resident Kilmarnock correspondent. It is indeed Gaby Mackay who was at Rugby Park last night for what can only be described as a disastrous result where Kilmarnock were defeated 2-0 by Connors Key Nomads. That is a result that sends them crashing out of the Europa League after only two games they had spent 18 years in the European wilderness prior to that. Uh, and it's a bit of a come down, to say the least, for Kilmarnock fans to go out to the Welsh minnows. Gaby, let's start right at the beginning. I know not a lot of people won't have seen this game. I was hunting for some footage, couldn't find any this morning. I think a lot of people will be in the same boat. There seems to have been, from the match reports, a fairly decent start to the game by Kilmarnock. Is that is that fair report? Is that fair reporting? They were knocking the ball about quite tidily. Yeah, I think that would be fair. Although Connors Key did miss an absolute sitter in like the first five minutes, which was one of the few chances they had in the game. But yeah, no, Kilmarnock were were bossing the possession. Greg Taylor had two two good chances that the goalkeeper saved. Yeah, it, it sort of looks like, you know, I wasn't concerned at all at the start of the game. It just looked like uh, as soon as the first goal goes in, then then that'll be it. Home and host and off to Belgrade. But unfortunately, that wasn't to be. And there was a few bad misses by Kilmarnock as well. Yeah, there absolutely were. As I said, Taylor missed two. He's probably not the guy you want the ball the ball falling to there. I think he's only scored one professional goal in his, in his entire career. Certainly at club level, I know he scored for the Scotland in the 20s against... Brazil, but he's not really a goal scorer. Two chances fell to him. He missed them both. Stephen O'Donnell hit the post. Their goalkeeper had another couple of good saves. Not not worldies, but certainly decent saves. And as I said, it just kind of looked that way that eventually the goal would come and that would just put the tie to bed, but obviously not. Has there been a pronounced and obvious change? Now, I want you to just talk about the first half because... Obviously, the, the disastrous nature of the second half is a separate thing. But in terms of watching that first half where Kelly were in charge of the game, has there been a pronounced change from Stevie Clark in terms of the tactics of how Angelo Alessio is trying to get this club to play? It certainly appears that way. It certainly appears to be a lot more focused on possession, on playing out from the back. You obviously have to caveat with the fact that they were playing against Connors Key Nomads, and you're if you're the professional team at home in that situation, you're obviously you're always going to have to try and take charge of the game, to be on the ball, to try and really dominate things. So it's difficult to tell. I mean, we'll see the first game of the season come on if we play in Rangers, so we'll see if they try and play that same kind of style. But he certainly looks to be going towards a more expansive game than we saw under Steve Clark. I think. And do you get the sense that Kilmarnock have the players? You know that team well. You've watched it significant amount of times over the last few years. Do you think that the core of what's there can actually do that, become a possession-based team? I think there'll definitely need to be a couple of additions before that can happen. You look at Yusuf Malumbu has left, uh, and he was a sort of driving force in the midfield last season. The first half of last season, Greg Stewart was there. He's the guy who can take the ball in, sort of be creative. Whereas last night, the midfield, you had Power, Dicker and El Bakiri, who are all sort of three defensively minded players. Uh, and you could really see that they were struggling for creativity. So they kept the ball well enough because all those players are tidy enough in possession. But when it came to making that killer pass, when it came to really sort of progressing it through the lines, getting it into where Brophy was, they really struggled in that regard. And uh, I mean, I, I don't want to slag the guy off, but the Rory McKenzie was playing, who I think is a, 
a willing worker. He's a sort of jack of all trades, master of none player. He's not really top quality. He was playing on the left when obviously you'd have had Jordan Jones there last season or in the first half of the season, you could have had Greg Stewart there. So I think certainly with the squad as it currently is, if Alessio is wanting to play this way, he's going to have to add some creativity in the final third. But given that it was nil-nil and Kilmarnock had pretty much dominated that first half, I assume around the stadium, there wasn't a sense of, of worry about what had happened to that point. No, there was a little bit of grumbling about the ball always going sideways, but if um, I think I can say this. As a Kilmarnock fan, Kilmarnock fans are notorious for being moany, so... I think there were a few grumbles, but most people, I get, weren't concerned. Nomads didn't look at all like scoring, apart from that chance they had in the very first five minutes. But they, they didn't look like they had any ambition to go and score. They looked like they were just trying to, you know, keep it keep it tight and then maybe go for it in the last 15, 20 minutes. But it, it wasn't something that was causing anyone any concern, I don't think, because they'd never really looked like creating anything. Okay, right. What happened in that second half then? Talk me through it. Well, where to start? So the start of the second half panned out a lot like the first half did. Kilmarnock dominating the ball, kind of struggling to break them down, but the Nomads weren't looking to be too ambitious. And then basically out of nowhere, they scored a goal. Now, it was a very similar goal to the goal in the first leg, which I think is something that you're going to have to look at. I think if you can see the same type of goal, twice in two consecutive games, then it's obviously something that's going wrong. So basically, their winger got out wide. Dicker ended up being sort of isolated out wide there, as Broadfoot was for the goal in the first leg. Uh, Dicker, I think, is a sort of unsung hero. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's not the quickest. He got beaten. Um, They swung a ball into the box, which is the kind of thing that they're always looking for. Uh, Their striker, whose name, I must confess, I don't know, got a head on it. And there's a sort of, well, can you sclaff a header? They didn't make great contact on it and it just sort of spun. I thought Jamie McDonald should have done better, but yeah, it hit the back of the net and it was a kind of a surreal moment because I, th- I actually counted them. I think there were 36 Nomads fans in the away end, so it was just dead silence in the ground. So it's almost as if, you know, uh, people are looking around going, has that actually gone in? Because there's no there's no reaction, obviously. But clearly it had gone in and that's when you kind of start to go, well, if they get another one here, yeah, Ryan Wignall was a scorer, Gaby. Right, okay. <laughs> so, 1-0 to Kilmarnock, uh, tighten up. What, what's the tactical decision-making? I did hear on the radio last night, a few of the pundits there were, were complaining that they were, there wasn't really a decision made in terms of how Kilmarnock were going to approach this situation. You know, a goal down, but they're still through. Do you, do you sit back? Do you play deep? Or do you actually go and say, right, no, this team are a lot of rubbish, we're going to be more progressive and come out and try and take this game. And he didn't really make a defined choice either way. No, it was really frustrating. I think it has to come from the manager. I think the players certainly, when they want 1-0 down, you know, it's, it's a pride thing and they were like, right, come on, let's push back into this and get a goal. But I think if you're the manager in that situation, you have to go, okay, it's embarrassing if we lose 1-0 at home to a part-time Welsh team. But that still takes us through... The only chance Nomads really had was getting a goal on the break. So if you push forward and leave gaps at the back, you're always running the risk that that's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Kelly were pushing forward. The fullbacks were both pushed up really high. The ball broke. They just cleared one long. The striker got in behind Stuart Finlay and he brought him down in the box. Absolutely stonewall penalty, no doubt about it. And a red card because it was a goal-scoring opportunity. So... 
Yeah, I, it was a really strange lack of, and I know people hate this phrase, but a lack of game management. It's There was no need for Kamarnock to be leaving that kind of space at the back. There was no need for them to go that gung-ho. If you get... If you lose at home and you go through, okay, it's a bad result, it's embarrassing, but you can say, well, look, it's the second game of the season, we got through, we're in the hat for the next round. But instead, they just they pushed up, they went gung-ho, they tried to go for it, and they got absolutely quiet on the break. And once the Nomads had scored that second goal, there was no chance they were even going to attempt to come out of their own half. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that because um, 79th minute, there's still 11 minutes for Kilmarnock to go and get that goal. And it would have been a crucial goal because it pushes in extra time. But I suppose when you've got 10 men at that point, and you're going up against a well-organised, well-drilled low block, it's going to be hard for any team, never mind one that's probably got the, the confidence of Kilmarnock at that point, which would be, you'd imagine, pretty low. Yeah, absolutely. They did end up going down to 10 men as well. They got a man sent off. Uh, they are a very physical team. I think they were quite lucky to have 11 men on the pitch before that. One of the players made an absolutely shocking challenge on Broadfoot, which I thought should have been a straight red. The striker was probably lucky not to get a second booking, which is not to make excuses because you should still be able to beat a team with all due respect to them of that standard, but they are a very... Um, they don't they don't exactly play play football in the most, the most beautiful way or necessarily the most fair way. But yeah, once Kelly were down to 10 men, the crowd's on their back and the Nomads, obviously, their tails are up and we saw in the Challenge Cup last year, they're absolutely happy to just pack their own box and just sit in and be defensive all day. Yeah. Well, certainly a horrific result. Um, In terms of um, the whole game then, a lot of people, um, I've I've read a lot of people say that, that Kilmarnock, they looked a bit lost without the ball. Now, that was the, one of the things that defined them under Steve Clark. Of course, they were so organised in terms of the way they structured their attacks going forward with and without the ball. Um, is that something that you noticed during the game? Well, again, it's difficult to tell because the Nomads didn't really... They, they never really tried to attack. So you could say looking a bit lost without the ball, but the Nomads barely had it, I think, over the two legs. I think they had five shots, and that's not five shots on target, that's five shots. They only had two shots on target across the two legs, which were the two goals last night, because the one in the first game was an own goal. I think across the two legs, Kelly had 32 shots and 19 on target, whatever it was, which, again, is not an excuse, because you have to put the ball into the net, and that's what the Nomads did. But I think it's really difficult to judge, certainly out of possession, when you're playing against a team which doesn't want the ball, which doesn't want to attack, and obviously just came to hit on the break and play for set pieces. But we knew that they would do that. Everybody knew that was the game they would come with. And Kelly got undone on a cross into the box and a goal on the counter-attack, which is just naive in the extreme. Where does this leave the Kelly fans with their boss, Angelo Alessio? Now, we discussed this, uh, I think, two days ago on the podcast. Um, I had my doubts about the level of his English. You slaughtered me. Um, what are, what's the general fan opinion now? I know it's going to be negative because obviously how could it be anything else after this this result? It's just so disastrous. But it is the first two games of the season, to be fair. You know, and it is effectively one half that's gone disastrously wrong. Is it too early to, to be making any, any judgments, Gabby? I think so, yeah. The, the, guy, the guy beside me last night wanted him sacked after the game, which I think might be a little bit extreme. And there are certainly some loud voices online who have already decided that, you know, he'll no day. Um, 
yeah, I think I think it's a bit early to judge, but it certainly takes away the sort of feel good factor that was around the club from well from the Steve Clark era, but particularly from the end of last season, from the first game even being in Europe. Uh, I think not. I don't mean he's under pressure of losing his job, but I think Alessio is now under pressure from the fans because whatever honeymoon period there was, I think that's definitely over now with that result last night. And as I've mentioned, uh, Rugby Park can be a bit. Hostile at times. I mean, a really strange decision last night. He subbed off Chris Buck, who was our best attacking threat, and there was, you know, there was a ringing booze from the stands when Buck went off, and Buck didn't look too happy either. Uh, he definitely should have taken Mackenzie off. I think Mackenzie was probably the only person in that stadium, other than Alessio, who didn't think he should have been the one to go off. So yeah, he's there's a he's certainly under pressure now. I think he's now got it all to prove. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a it's a difficult one to to come back from. It's kind of similar to what we saw with Pedro Cushina in a way. New manager coming in. I know Pedro Cushina had a few games in the previous season, but you're just starting in such a way that it's so difficult for you to come back from that kind of that kind of result and performance. In terms of um, the the striking situation at Comarnic after the game, uh, Alessio has come out and said, "You know, we need two strikers." Uh, to, to come in because um, Eamon Brophy is, is the only one we have at the moment. Uh, would you go along with that? I would, absolutely. Um, and I think that's sort of a a gamble that's, that's backfired. It was the same with Clark last season. Kelly didn't sign a lot of players early on in the window because Clark's reasoning being if you've got a small budget and you've got targets you want to get who maybe will be available at the end of the window, you don't want to have spent that budget if they do become available. So, for example, Greg Stewart coming in towards the end of the last window. But, of course, the difference last season was that Kilmarnock weren't in Europe. Uh, they are this season, I think. Obviously, the thinking from the club, the manager, whoever was, well, we should have enough to beat Connors Key with what we have. And then we can look at doing, look at investing when we get the the windfall you get from going through to the second round. And they should have had enough to beat Connors Key. As I said, Connors Key had two shots on target in 180 minutes and went through. Um, but they didn't. And it now, it now leaves a difficult position because you're not getting that European windfall that you're expecting. I think Billy Bowie has said there'll be a bigger budget for players this season, but we don't know how that's affected by going out in the very first round of the Europa League. But certainly the squad needs strength and they need, yeah, I'd say two, two strikers, certainly... Uh, a more creative midfielder, I think, absolutely is a priority and probably somebody who can play on the left wing. Now, Miller, who we think might come in, he can play there. So that might be a solution. But yeah, definitely, I think signings need to be made and soon. One of the elements of um, Alessio's after-match press conference was his upset at the way that Koniski Nomads had handled the game. It's not the first time that we've heard from a Scottish manager that they have a physical approach. Um, and he described it as unbelievable, um, the way the referee, I think, both handled the game and Koniski themselves uh, went about things. Did, did you get a sense of that in the ground? Were they particularly physical? Yeah, they were. Now, the difficulty in this is that as people know, I am a Kilmarnock fan and it will sound like sour grapes, but they are, I mean, I'll use the word dirty. They are a very physical team, niggly team. As I said, I thought they were lucky not to have someone sent off before they did. Uh, I think we were talking about the Celtic match the other night when they were playing Sarajevo and uh, Leonard was complaining about Sarajevo being dirty. And I was at the game and I was I didn't think they were that dirty, but then the last game I went to featured Connors Key Nomads and they were certainly last night 
very physical. There's a few sort of, I mean, as I mentioned, there was one really nasty one on Broadfoot that I thought should have been a straight red, and there were sort of little elbows, little digs down the Achilles. That, yeah, they're, they're not a pleasant team to watch. I mean, full credit to them for getting through. Uh, I think most people, when they saw the fans after the game, gave them full credit, but they're not a very likeable team, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a, there's a bitter irony in Kilmarnock fans complaining about Kirk Broadfoot getting bad treatment, though, isn't there? Come on. Oh, look, absolutely, of course. But that I think there's a the difference between the sort of Kirk Broadfoot s housery that he gets up to and the tackle on him last night, which could have been a, a leg breaker. I think yeah. everyone can have... I mean, you don't like it if it's against you, but, you know, players who engage in a, a little bit of the dark arts, you know, a little little dig in the ribs or a little little kick on the ankle or whatever you we don't we don't condone it but it's the kind of thing you know that that's part of the game the tackle on him last night could seriously injured him and i think nobody wants to see that no absolutely not um in terms of um the the impossible question which you know that you're going to get asked gaby steve clark would this have happened if he'd still been in the job i mean it's really difficult to get into kind of hypotheticals like that I would think that Clark certainly once they'd scored the game management would have been better that it would have been you know let's just keep it tight for 10 minutes keep a hold of the ball just make sure we don't concede a second because that'll be a nightmare uh, and you'd think uh, Alessio coming from the Italian school would have that he, he would be well well drilled in the, the art of, of game management um, I don't know if it was the, the players wounded pride sort of getting carried away but even if that's the case it's the manager's job to say no look we don't need to be have the fullbacks up on the halfway line we don't need to go for this we're still in a position where we're going through let's just make sure we don't do anything stupid so I would it have happened under Clark it's really impossible to say I think but uh, I, I would err towards no but I, it's a really sort of impossible question I think yeah and uh, Kelly now have two and a half weeks without a game um they don't have a game until the start of the season. Um, you think that they are going to have to try and organise something so that they can perhaps get the confidence back flowing through the through the legs before the start of the season. Does this put a dampener in terms of Kilmarnock fans' expectations for another tilt at the top six? Or, again, is it just too early? There's too much to um, to add to the squad in terms of transfers before the, the, the deadline and uh, just... Just, just uh, you don't want to get carried away with one bad result. Yeah. Oh, I think uh, talking of games, I think they're playing. I think they're sending a team to play Darvel Juniors in in uh, in a week or so. So if they lose that, then <laughs> then that will make things <laughs> even worse. But no, seriously, I think. Yeah, I think I think it's too early. You can't judge. There presumably will be still three or four signings to come in. Uh, that's the rational position. Now, if you're talking about there are some Commandant fans who now, I mean, I think if you go on the Kelly Forum, there's now a thread about how um, will, will we be involved in a relegation battle, which I think is a bit extreme to say at this stage after two competitive games. But certainly the mood around the place has has turned significantly from the highs of last season. Yeah. Uh, and you can only imagine Andy Morrison's Wikipedia page over the coming days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's now been changed to Andy Morrison is the greatest manager in the world. He masterminded a win over Kamala or whatever, yeah. Well, he was some great quotes he was talking about uh, after the game, um, it being right up there with uh, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool being 3-0 down 
from uh, the match in um, at the new camp and coming back to win four 0 it was a similar level of of of, of a challenge for um, the the nomads to overcome. So he was he was full of the the um, bravado last night. Certainly on the BBC, it was uh, interesting to watch. And we will keep an eye on his Wikipedia page as the days <laughs> pass. Um, okay, Gabby. I mean, th- th- I suppose the last point before I let you go is just regarding football at this time of year and this being yet another truly terrible result for Scottish football. I mean, we always try and be positive about the game here. We love the game. That's why we're all doing the job that we do um, here at Football Scotland. But at the same time, there is now a trend of these kind of results. And I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, you can only really describe it as incompetence. You know, that, that, that a team like Kilmarnock um, would lose to a squad that is just so significantly inferior to them. And, you know, the same to previous teams that have had terrible results, you know, Rangers going to progress and getting knocked out, Celtic losing to uh, Red Imps. But these kind of these kind of results really do harm our coefficient. And it's a question of what can we do as a nation to try and get more organised for these games so that we don't have to suffer the indignity of what follows a result like this, which is just mocking from around the UK. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one because the season only only finished in May. So is if it's a question of getting the players back even earlier, I'm not sure how you can do that given how late the season finishes. So is it a case of moving the start of the season forward? I said, if we're, if we're talking about Scottish football in general, I think... I don't. I don't want to take anything away from the nomads by saying it was a freak result, but it was in in some senses because, as I said, they they had three shots on target in 180 minutes, and it was enough to win the game. So I'm not. I'm not sure that while it's embarrassing and terrible, and Kelly have nobody but themselves to blame, and all the rest of it, I'm not sure how much you can read into the the state of Scottish football because there's no question Kelly are a better team than Connors Key Nomads. There's no question that they were the dominant team over the two legs. There was just some real naivety and real stupid decision-making that led to one of the worst results in, well, certainly Scottish European history. It must be one of the worst results in in Kelly's 150-year history. So I'm absolutely not trying to excuse it. I'm just saying that I'd you know, I'd, I'd be wary of reading too much into the state of Scottish football from a game where, from uh, a tie where Nomads had their own goal, a penalty, and yeah, they had three shots on target in 180 minutes. And I suppose, conversely, every other Scottish team won home and away, which is terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think people sort of feared for Aberdeen yesterday, especially when they went 1-0 down, but they got the do- job done. Celtic were pretty comfortable on Wednesday night against Sarajevo. I know they conceded the goal, but as I said, I was at the game. I had their pre-season friendly. Sounded like, Cal- on- sounded like Callum McGregor uh, finally sort of fitted into a Neil Lennon setup as well. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, once again, I think the both in that tie, both teams knew it was over, so it was difficult again to read too much into it. It was a bit of like a pre-season friendly. And obviously Rangers won 6-0 yesterday. Now, 
of course, again, they were playing the third best team in Gibraltar, so it's not one to it's not one for the Scottish football fans to be crowing from the rooftops. But yep, all the other teams got through, one home and away. So hopefully that'll balance out the uh the awfulness of what Kilmarnock did last night in terms yeah. of coefficient. A little bit of sugar after all that vinegar, Gaby. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Well, we're going to call it a day there. That's all from us today. We'll be back now on Monday because obviously it's the weekend with your uh, next Football Scotland Daily podcast. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane and Gaby. I'm at Gaby Mackay and I fully expect a lot of pe- well-deserved pelters. Go on there, talk to him about Kilmarnock. I'm sure he'd be delighted to relive every aspect of the game last night for your social media pleasure. Until Monday, thanks for listening.